Artie. <laughs> Dear Hottie, congratulations on your recent TV appearance. I want to sex you up. Your love slave, Marge. <gasps> you can't use the word sex on the internet. Watch me. Mm. Oh! Antitrust suit, antitrust suit. <sighs> a note from Marge Simpson? Well, isn't that a coincidence? I was just thinking about her. For the last 20 years. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we're here to review one of my favourite episodes of season 13. It is episode DABF04, Half Decent Proposal. I am Dando. I am Guy. Pleasure to be here as always. Um, yeah, talking about an episode that uh, I actually sort of semi-enjoyed for a change. <laughs> I get the feeling that I'm sort of being unfairly represented as a hater. I, I don't feel I am. I like to think that I'm being sort of, you know... I'll call them like I see them, but, um, you know, I mean, not every episode is a Simpsons safari, and certainly not last episode, but um, I've got to say I will have a few more positive things to say this time around. Well, you didn't like this episode? I liked this episode fine. I thought it was, uh, yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Look, any time you add John Lovitz to the equation, I tend to be pretty happy. A little, a little Lovitz goes a long way, and this had just the right amount. Yeah, yeah, I think Artie's if Obviously, this was a sequel to an episode from season two, The Way We Was, which is a fantastic episode. And I can't believe it took them this long to bring Artie's if back. But I think, you know, it's been, what, 11 seasons. It seems the writers still know what they're doing when it comes to the Artie's if character because I thought he was brilliant. But as you also mentioned, John Lovitz is like the key that is the glue that holds all this together, basically. But it, is, it just seems just, just the, little, the little things. For example, when Artie's going to pick up Marge at his house... There's a moment where he's walking past his statue and he just goes, "Hey, like just little things like that." Just it's not it's not even a piece of dialogue. It's just the little the little things that really make the artist of character so so great. As much as a, a slime bag that he is, he still he is so so funny. Um, but yeah, I, I just really really enjoyed this as a, a good a, a better sequel this one than what the uh, was a brawl in the family was that the sequel to the I- Vegas one. I believe, yeah, 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 that's it. You mentioned how Artie Ziff might be viewed as a bit of a contentious character, and I think we do have one or two listeners, certainly one or two in the patrons, uh, who are Artie Ziff. No, I hate that guy, or are, are not fans of the individual. I can wholly see where they're coming from, and I think that's something we'll we'll discuss as the episode goes along. I was a horrible, horrible human being. But oh, yeah. <laughs> John, John Lovett's delivery somehow makes him enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, look, I won't say it's the role that John Lovett's was born to play, but I mean, it's certainly one that uh, that he he fits into very well. It fits him quite snugly. So yep. uh, yeah, uh, very very enjoyable. Um, but also, I mean. Uh, putting that aside, I think there are other aspects of this episode that um, that I quite enjoyed. I mean, it's it's a slight episode; it's a fairly sort of flimsy episode. And um, but uh, I don't know. In what, in, what, in what way do you think it's flimsy? Oh, I may have misspoken there, but I think the whole it got a bit of it copped a bit of flack uh, from, uh, to the best of my understanding, 
for basically borrowing the premise of the um of the movie Indecent Proposal, like maybe a decade on. Why would it caught flack for that? So I don't understand why people would be negative on that because it's just meant to be a parody in a sense of that. I think it was ninety two or maybe ninety three that Indecent Proposal came out. It was a bit of a hit. It did quite well. I mean, you know, people were still aboard the Demi Moore train then, and um, it's like. Uh, it was it's a, a very, sort of, it's a very relatable premise that movie. It's a very hot button topic. I mean, I'm sure you had sort of you know couples going to it and coming out of it's like later sort of going. Would so, you? So, yeah. <laughs> for, for how much and all that kind of stuff. But it really sort of disappeared off the cultural radar mm. fairly quickly. I mean, I think if you asked. Um, you know, just about anyone today or, in it, you know, ask any, say, millennial or Gen Z, they'd be sort of like, indecent what? Proposal what now? Mm. Redford who? <laughs> you know, <yeah. laughs> it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I'd look, flimsy was probably the wrong word, but uh, I will stand by slight, though. I mean, it, it didn't feel like it sort of... I hate to keep sort of trotting out all the old stuff, but we, we've spoken a lot in previous episodes about how... And, you know, an episode, even one that's designed to make you laugh, as they mostly are, uh, need to have sort of a strong underpinning and something you'd really relate to. The kind of situation that um, Homer and Marge find themselves in when Artie Ziff shows up and says, I'll give you a million dollars. <laughs> and and brace yourself, folks, because you're going to get a lot of Lovett's impressions in this episode. <laughs> um, I'll give you a million dollars for one night with Marge. That didn't sound like John Lovitz at all. <laughs> Sounds more like old-time newsreader. I don't know. It's not necessarily something that everyone can relate to. I think you can relate more to snoring, in all honesty. I think you can relate more to your – if your partner's a snorer, there will be occasions when it's like, hmm, how long can we share this bed before one of us kills the other? What I did like about it, though, was as much of a dog as what Art is If was, Marge still gets her kick-ass moment where she says, you little nerd, and slaps him. So at least he gets that, at least he gets his comeuppance for it, where, you know, because in the way we was, he doesn't get reprimanded for the way he, for his behavior, you know, his busy hands. It's just mm. she leaves and she picks up Homer on the way home. At least yeah. here, she slaps him in front of everybody. He gets embarrassed and he tells him, stop looking at me. So at least it, she finally gets her revenge on Artie in that sense, if that makes, if, that, if you know what I mean. It, oh, it certainly makes sense. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But so, so I like the fact that Marge finally got to our. Uh, Give one to Artie, slap him on the face. <laughs> but the, for me, this moment, the most iconic moment from this episode is a, a quote that I use all the time. Is I am watching you through a camera. <laughs> Whenever I hear that song, I have to use those lyrics now. It's impossible not to hear Artie Ziff singing uh, Sweet Dreams. It's just, it's impossible. <laughs> Whenever it comes on the radio, I'm just like, yep, here comes Artie. <laughs> <laughs> I had honestly forgotten about the Sweet Dreams bit at the end of this episode. Uh, so, uh, oh, that, sure that, I think so. I think so. For me, it's just, that's one that stuck with me. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think one of the things I'm enjoying most about revisiting season 13 is that, um, while the bulk of the episodes may be sort of unfamiliar or it's been a while since I've uh, revisited them or seen them all for the first time or whatever, I'll watch one and it'll be like, oh, this is that episode with that bit. I mean, I was surprised at um, how sort of, not stoked I was, but I was like, oh, this is the one with Nookie in New York, that piss take of sex in the city, which I remember kind of enjoying. Yeah. Uh, so it's good to see that again. Um, yeah, but there actually, there were there was... A whole bunch of little bits and pieces in this episode that I uh, that I got a, a, quite the kick out of. Well, I think that might be the good cue for uh, some favourite moments. What do you think? 
I'd like to think I am the Sultan of Segway in that regard, so let's <laughs> move right into it. Hey, my favourite. All righty, I'm going to say my favourite moment first because I feel like I'm going to ruin yours. So, I'm gonna, <laughs> so, so I'll, I'll say one that I don't think is yours. So I really enjoyed... Yes. There's three moments. My first one is the mash farewell, keep your clothes on. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> really, really good stuff. Which, when I first watched this, I hadn't watched MASH before. So I had no oh, idea what that okay. was doing. I was like, what the hell is that all about? But I've now being a big fan of MASH, I'm like, that's fantastic. Yeah. I also really liked Adi Ziff, we'd be friends with privileges. And then his tongue. <laughs> and Marge's, does that ever work? No. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when, when it, it does. does. <laughs> <laughs> now cue your favourite moment Because I feel like my other one is yours Okay, Well <laughs> Listeners of this podcast will be aware That I'm a big fan of uh, Homer sort of doing a bit fist of a shaking. threatening voice yeah, doing, Homer shaking his fists So you know When uh, the indecent proposal is sort of brought up And uh, Homer asks how much sex is involved Because if there's some <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, you can see me coming a mile away with that kind of thing, absolutely. <laughs> um, having said that, there were a few other bits that I enjoyed. I'm, look, I won't say that I'm the hugest uh, Patty and Selma stan out there, but uh, I was, I, was not, I quite enjoyed their girls' night, not only for the viewing of um, Nookie in New York and their rapid turn-off of Arliss, um, mm. a, little more, a little more about Arliss later, but um, I don't know if it was Patty or Selma who was doing some impressive wordplay and rhyme work when sort of talking about, he's warm for your form. (laughs) uh, (laughs) It was just nice seeing them all hang out together, wasn't it? It was, yeah, breaking out the champagne. uh, Yeah, just because you don't often get to see Patty, Selma and Marge having a good time. Indeed, yeah, having a girls' night, watching some basic cable. It was great. Um, I think there was also one, what she was going to write out is if a letter, no, email, female. Yeah. (laughs) I want to sex you up, you love slave Marge. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, I think think they were my uh, my favourite moments. You're trying to tell me that you didn't like Baron Von Kiss a lot. It was fine. It was a bit, apparently it's a very well-loved gag. I fucking um, thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I didn't, I didn't hate it, but nor did I sort of, um, yes, run to give it a big smooch. It's very much like the Devil's Advocate gag to me. You just like you think they're going one way, but then it just goes the other way. I don't know. I think I was just happy with um, what do you that cabbie that character usually has a name? Does it? Is it Wise Guy or yeah? Is it was it Ralph or something? I don't know. Or, yeah, or, yeah. No, or, or Raul or something. Might have been Raul. Yeah, well, I can't remember. But he's, he's or wise Raphael. guys. Raphael, yeah. that might be it. Yeah. yeah wise yeah, guys but, we know him as. Yeah. Yeah, but he's, does he normally do like the Charles Bronson voice or? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Bill at the Baron von Kesselot. You got it. <laughs> if, if, I thought that I was about. If the Baron von Kisselot moment happened in like season five, it'd be a classic moment of The Simpsons. I'm telling you right now. I thought it was okay. great. I just think it's a, I think it's a forgotten <laughs> moment. It just felt very sports to me. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> All right. Well, the um, the campaign to uh, rehabilitate and um, yeah, give uh, Baron von Kisselot his due begins here with Dando, <laughs> <laughs> with a little assistance from Guy, but not that much. Next question. You there, eating the paste. All righty, time for some trivia. I've got three questions. I'll kick off. Is that all right? Go right ahead. All righty. My first one is, what did the sign say on the door at the oil patch behind the uh, the ring, the group leader or whatever, the boss? Oh, golly, there were so many signs that I forgot to take them all in. Um, Something about free burial? Yeah, dangerous work, free burial. 
Ah, okay then. Half a point. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, you can if you want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when... Oh, I've forgotten the name of the uh, principal slash bouncer at... Dondlinger. Okay. Dondlinger, yeah. Dondlinger. Uh, when he asked Homer how long he'd been drinking, or if he'd been drinking, Homer replied, only for how long? 25 years. 25 years. <laughs> Very funny. My next one is, what did Homer buy Marge a tape of recently? So he said, even after I bought her oh, that something um, tape? Hockey fights, wasn't it? Hockey fights, well done, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the list... Top 100 list of America's richest men. What number is Artie? Three? Five. Fuck! I don't, <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I said three, I went, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Can I take it back? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> All right, hit me with one more. My final question is, Marge hasn't lost this much sleep since when? Mm. Oh, since Barty had the scoots. What the hell is the scoots, by the way? I'm going to assume it's the shits. Oh, really? Why would you assume that? Because it has an S in it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What else would the scoots be? I don't know. I I googled the scoots and nothing came up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to assume it's diarrhea. Yeah, okay. I'd say to assume. Yeah. Okay. Listeners, if you know what the scoots actually are or if you had a a better alternative answer than the shits. The shits. (laughs) (laughs) Let us know. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, what's your final question? Okay, there are autographed posters of which uh, person on Comic Book Guy's wall? Oh, Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Yeah, both signed, yes. Yes, indeed. And uh, New Hope era and Return of the Jedi era, I believe. Was it? Oh, I wasn't paying that much attention. Well played. No. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, well done, sir. So that is trivia for this week. After this short break, we'll return with our full in-depth review of Half Decent Proposal. In-depth. Four Finger Discount is brought to you by our incredible $20 patrons. Bella Winderbank, Jordan Molman, Richie, Noah Daniel, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Devey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett, Timothy Burleson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James, bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, George McMenemy, Zach Pruitt, Jonathan Rossi, Adam Sanderson, Stephen Roberts, Seth Weens, Daniel Kotnick, Ali Jamie, the iconic June fucking Richards, Matthew Davis and David Stewart, absolute legends, and also the ultimate legend, this month's $100 patron, Mr. Dylan Haggett, who has requested that we do a review on the pilot episode of Attack on Titan, so look out for that. Also, share that to our new $5 plus patron this week, Mr. Timothy Daly Valdez. Thank you, sir. Don't forget, guys, if you want to support the show and get access to a bunch of exclusive content in return, just going to go to patreon.com slash four-finger discount, where for as little as $1 per month, you can get this show and all our other podcasts weeks early. Uh, you get access into the Four Finger Discount Revisited Classics where we go into the golden era and the patrons choose an episode for us to review each month. You also get access to the Facebook page, Zoom calls with Guy and myself and much, much more just for as little as $1 per month. So go to patreon.com slash Four Finger Discount to join the Four Finger Discount Patreon team. But for now, enjoy our review of Half Decent Proposal. Okay, the original air date for Half Decent Proposal was February 10th, 2002, written by Tim Long, directed by Lauren McMullen. Uh, the short gag, I will not bite the hand that feeds me butterfingers. 
Mm, chalkboard gag is back. Do you reckon they got in trouble for uh, having a shit on Butterfingers recently? And now they've been told <laughs> to apologize. <laughs> I think so. I mean, was it last episode that they meant that they... Or the episode before? Was, they threw it on a fire and they said... It, was it the brawl in the family, maybe? They said they had it out when they were having lunch in the forest, maybe? I think so. No, no, no. It's when they were burning sugar. It's when they were burning sugar. That's yeah, Sweets the town march. Yeah, so mm. two episodes ago. And the couch gag, the Simpsons arrived, the Rupert men are taking the couch, and Homer is very sad. Uh, reminded me of when I was vacuuming the, the living room recently and moved the big ottomans like, oh, my God, look at all these dust bunnies under there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the episode kicks off with some Everly Brothers with Dream, Dream, Dream. And this is mm. honestly one of those episodes where as soon as it begins, as soon as I hear that song, I know exactly what episode it is. Okay. It's always been a standout one. It's always been a standout episode for me from the later seasons, this one. It, it's, a ni- it's a nice way to start the episode as well. Mm. I mean, um, it sort of, I don't know, it gave me a feeling of confidence. It's like, hmm, there's a, I'm not saying that imagination and... Um, and craft doesn't go into into you know every episode to varying degrees, but uh, yeah, the way it's sort of you know floating over you know Springfield at night time, it's got that lovely song playing and you know sets a mood, sets a tone. I'm like, hmm, okay, let's see where this goes, and uh, <laughs> it goes directly into comic book guy's bedroom where no one wants to go except Agnes Skinner. Well, yeah. <laughs> what I uh, what I liked about it was that Springfield is usually this crazy wacky town. It was just nice to see it peaceful. True. That's yeah, a good point. It was a good, was a good, um, a good song choice to uh, to set the mood. But yeah, mm. we go into comic book guy's bedroom and he's hugging the Jar Jar. I feel like people are growing on Jar Jar more than what they did 20 years ago. What, do you think he's sort of getting rehabilitated? I don't think anyone's ever going to like Jar Jar. I don't nah, think anyone's going to... He's going to be a beloved character, but I think he's one of those characters where you look back and go, well, probably a little bit too harsh. I think him. so, yeah, yeah. I don't think you're going to find any Star Wars fan who would say... Look, if you can get me, you know, a cut of the of the prequel trilogy that doesn't have any Jar Jar in it, I'd really appreciate that. But um, <laughs> I think when you hear about, I think the actor's name is Ahmed Best, who sort of did the uh, the, the motion CGI capture work. work. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, and the and I think the voice work as well for Jar Jar. Oh, okay. How how much flack he copped for you know <laughs> being the uh, for bringing this character to life, so to speak. It's kind of like, oh, Jesus, we, yeah, we were kind of dicks. I mean, yeah, this is a terrible, terrible character. You know, poorly conceived, and I think, you know, Mr. Best did the best he could with what he had. But, uh, yeah, I think down, you know, two decades or so down the line, we're kind of going, yeah, we're a bit rough. I mean, it's like we were a bit, you know, people were a bit rough on Jake Lloyd, who played Anakin as well. Oh, I mean, yeah. ruined his life. <laughs> pretty much, you know, turned him into a into a felon, didn't he? I mean, there's like, like no, shots of the kid. He's, well, he's definitely a hermit. He quit Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. As you Understand, understandably so. Yeah, yeah so, yeah. Um, but speaking for myself, I will, I will probably go, I'm at best, sorry, we did you wrong, buddy. Um, but no, I will never, <laughs> I will never uh, reevaluate Jar Jar positively. He's just too bad for that. <laughs> So Homer is snoring very, very loud. I really like his, his snoring through his eyes as well. <laughs> great, great visual there. Marge is absolutely exhausted in the morning, and Bart mentions that he thinks she's on drugs. What is it? Is that Dick Cheney's America or something that he mentions here? A uh, form Some letter sort of, from Dick Cheney. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yes, yep. Yeah. Um, Marge mentions that she's taken Homer to the doctors this afternoon because it's so hard to find a doctor on Wednesday mornings. I don't get this joke. Was this a reference to anything? Like, is, is a, Oh, you think he's out playing golf as doctors are supposed to I be get, doing? I get that, but are doctors usually busy on Wednesday mornings or is this just a chance to show doctors doing something silly? 
Like, I think it's just a chance to do them something silly. Yeah, yeah. Things like, oh, you know, doctors, they're yeah. so busy, it's hard to get an appointment. Oh, no, wait a minute, they're on the golf course. Oh, no, wait a minute, he's actually out uh, knocking uh, mailboxes off. Um, what's that? Is that from Stand By Me? I think it's from, I mean, I think people vandalizing mailboxes have been in a lot of American movies. Okay. But I think that's probably from Stand By Me. Okay. But, any, but anyway. Well, the song was Wooly Bully, which I do enjoy. Who does, who does not? Hibbert uh, says that this, this procedure is going to be very expensive. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. Well, here's my counteroffer. Do it for free. <laughs> Do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> Hibbert I, chuckles I, and tells him to yeah. Marge is, uh, still can't sleep because the home is snoring so loud. So she goes out, sleeps on the front porch. I've only got here, though. Couldn't you just either try earplugs or just sleep in another room instead of sleeping out the front? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they, they're... Showing that Homer's snoring is, and then some. It's a real yes. pump up the volume stuff. But, but yeah, usually I think you'd, another room is good enough. Earplugs. I don't know if they always do the trick. Nah, not always. And I think I think I wouldn't like going to sleep with earplugs in because if there's an emergency happening, you might not hear it. That's a good point. I mean, I've I've shared a bed with a couple of snorers and um, Cap yeah, Basie, but- a snorer. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's a purrer. But. Uh, you know, when the, when the other person in the bed gets a, really gets the volume going, it can be quite, quite disruptive. And look, yeah, I've, yeah, been, I've been that person as well. I'm known for talking in my sleep. Are you now? Mm. Podca- podcasting in your sleep. Are you giving it yeah. away for free, Dan? <laughs> you can have a conversation with me in my sleep, apparently. Nicholas had it before. <laughs> I, I apparently... Gr- one night I... I sent someone from their bed because I was grinding my teeth so loud in my sleep. Wow. Oh, yeah. Grinding teeth so loud. Yeah. I can imagine that would be like nails on a chalkboard. Not good. Oh, yeah. I felt sorry yeah. for this poor person. I this grind poor- my teeth a lot because like, you look at my teeth now and you can see where they're sort of like molded to the shape of the teeth above them <laughs> because yeah. I grind them together so much. Yeah. <laughs> I really need to go and I need to go invest in one of those um, proper mouth guards. I was actually, I, I went to the chemist where they just sell, you know, regular... Um, under 11 footy mouth guards. And I said, do you have any for people who grind their teeth? He goes, you'll go through that one in a night. Okay, <laughs> yeah. fair enough. I think, I think you've got to go see the dentist if you want a proper one. Any grinders out there, please let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Marge is driving the kids. Um, she falls asleep at the wheel. She rolls out. Lisa and Milhouse take over the pedals while Bart drives. Milhouse asks her to the dance, but it's never a good time. That's one of those recurring story arcs. It is. I did, I, did, at Lisa. I did like his, it's never a good time. Oh, Millhouse, the junior junior varsity version of Artie Ziff. Yeah, that's true, except I don't see Millhouse ever being highly successful at anything. No. <laughs> Marge then arrives at Patty and Summers with her bags packed. They think she's left Homer, but she hasn't. So they said, all right, well, fair enough. At least we're going to have a girls' night in. And as you mentioned, the nookie in New York is hilarious. It's basically what Sex in the City was. Back in the early days, I mean, uh, I'm not sure how many uh, listeners of this podcast are viewers of Sex and the City or were, but uh, I watched a bit of it back in the uh, back in the early days when it came out. If I'm not having sex by the end of this goat cheese quesadilla, I'm going to scream. I also enjoy sex. Since this morning, I've had sex with a New York Nick, two subway cops, and a guy who works on Wall Street. Broker? Nah. She's just really sore. (laughs) (laughs) This is so like our lives. It's like they hit a camera in our apartment. (laughs) They then turn off Arliss. Now, you wanted to discuss Arliss. I looked it up. Arliss went for seven seasons. I've never heard of it. 
tell our listeners and myself, what is it? Alice was, um, I, look, I, I've never actually watched an episode, but I've heard so many people use it as a punchline over the years. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think it was sort of like a precursor to that, uh, another HBO show, like Ballers. Do you know the one Ballers with, um, with The Rock? I've never watched um, it, but I know exactly what you mean. Nor have I, because, I mean, yeah, the whole thing is not really my scene, but I think they're both about sports agents or behind the scenes of the sporting world. And but Arlen, at least one was a, what, but Alice was a sitcom, right? So Alice was a sitcom, yeah, starring a gentleman named Robert Wool. Now, he was sort of everywhere in the um, late 80s, early 90s, probably best known to you know, listeners of this show for his part in Batman. He was in Tim Burton's Batman as reporter Alexander Knox, who... Um, you know, sort of showed Vicky Vale around and um, acted as, as sort of her second banana. Oh, I know who you mean. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, he's the hello legs guy. Um, he's, he's a bit... I think John Lovitz, there's a there's a term market correct. Have you ever heard that one? No. Like, it's when another actor comes in and kind of like, oh, this person's like... Actor B is like actor A, only better. It's like... Emma Stone market corrected Lindsay Lohan, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm pretty sure John Lovett's pretty sure market corrected Robert Wool. So if a, you can't afford Lovett's, you get this guy. Kind of, yeah. But for some reason, Robert Wool was the lead in this in this show, Arliss, one of HBO's first original things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it went for seven seasons, but no one will sort of cop to liking or watching it. So it's like pro wrestling. <laughs> a, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, but you know, this was like the early days of HBO when it's like, Wait a minute, it's television, but people are swearing? Wait a minute, that's a pair of boobs on television? Yeah, so um, I think that's the main thing that sort of got Arliss um, its, uh, its attention. So it wasn't in front of a live studio audience? No, no, it was... Um, so it's kind of like, a, it's kind of like a, uh, a rest of development kind of setup, up? Yeah, like a single camera sitcom kind of deal. Okay, okay. See, I thought it was a... I saw a sitcom and assumed in front of a live studio oh, audience. Oh, no, 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 no. Gentlemen, start your envy. (laughs) Men's Wealth Magazine has listed the 100 richest men in the country. And coming in at number five is Springfield native Artie Ziff. Whoa, your old boyfriend. Please, we went out once. Artie made megabucks with a revolutionary invention, a converter that changes that horrible modem noise into easy listening music. Also available with lyrics. Hey, computer geek, you will be connected in no time. What a catch. Why didn't you sink your claws into him at the prom? Yeah, he was warm for your form. Modem noise, which now younger viewers would have no idea what they're talking about, but that was <laughs> so frustrating. Having to listen to about 40 seconds worth of like, every time you want to communicate with your friends on the internet. <laughs> I think I think if you if you stopped right now and listened in your head, can you hear that noise like from oh. start to finish? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you wait for that little light to go green, then you're good to go. Oh, um, and you turn change it into some easy listening music. And what I liked here was we've got some Georgia Girl and Georgia Girl by the Seekers. Mm-hmm. Seekers being one of my nan's favorite bands. Oh, uh, they were the they were the first concert I ever went to. My nan took me to see the Seekers in '93 when I was five years old. Oh wow! Oh, very yeah. pleasant memory for Dando. Yeah, so it was good hearing Georgia Girl there. I didn't realise Georgia Girl were known outside of Australia. So not not Georgia Girl, um the Seekers, sorry. Were known outside of Australia. But yeah, just nice seeing the Georgia Girl reference on The Simpsons. And then <laughs> Ziff has included his own lyrics as well in this one. We then get uh 
Margie, I like this line. He was a little shrimp, but then he became an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> and we um we cut to her little sort of like it, this was important to remind new viewers in case for those who either haven't seen or forgotten about the way we was, what he did, and why we shouldn't really like him. Yeah, absolutely. How, uh, how many years did you say it had been between uh, between seasons? Eleven seasons. Eleven. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, you definitely need that little flashback. Yes, definitely. And apparently that was very hard to animate, this um this flashback. Okay. There was a term they um they dubbed for the guy who who wrote this episode or whatever, so whoever worked on the animation saying like he was a slave driver basically. It was too hard to do. <laughs> um and also because he incorporated the the seventies prom. That's but right. it was but they had to redraw and draw new designs for every character because they had to be older versions of themselves yeah. wearing the seventies clothes. So it was like a whole new fucking wardrobe that designed everything. Yes, yeah, so it's a lot of work for the animators this episode. But then we get them writing the email, and it's yeah, I just thought it was great. Dear Hottie, I want to sex you up, your love slave Marge. <laughs> <laughs> and Marge being Marge, all she's concerned about is the fact that they're going to use the word sex <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> then we get Cisco Systems. Don't know too much about Cisco Systems. I'm assuming this is just sort of a a piss take that probably didn't need to be there, but they just thought they'd take a jab at somebody. I don't know. I guess so, yeah. I've got here too that if you send an email, it wouldn't travel through this way, would it? Like that's not the kind of system that it would have, or would it? Or is that how it would have done it in two thousand and two? I don't even know how email works now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think you know the the average mainstream person, um, in even in two thousand and two, was kind of like internet. How, how does that work? You know and. I I really think it wasn't until like a few years into um into the two thousands that people you know determined okay this isn't like a fad this is the pet rock you know yeah we're probably gonna have to start paying attention to how this actually works and this you is know, life now yeah incorporated into our everyday lives so at, at this point two thousand and two people were still saying go to our website www dot oh yeah. <laughs> I think you're probably still saying like. HTTP colon <laughs> backslash backslash www dot. <laughs> <laughs> the World Wide Web, Web. everybody. Oh, the, um, I, 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 oh, I really should have rewound actually when I was doing this episode because, I mean, there was a stage, and I've forgotten where we stopped doing this, that you capitalised I in internet. Really? It's like okay. the internet. <laughs> and now it's just mm. like internet. <laughs> the web, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do, you, do people still say the internet or just say that on the net? Yeah, I still say internet. Yeah, internet. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But anyway, so Ziff, Ziff gets the email. He's flicking through all the antitrust suits, antitrust suits, then gets the let the email from Marge, reads it, and we get a, a what I think was a really good reveal here, that he's been obsessed with her for the last 20 years. It was a Fits nice the character, yeah. makes sense, and it's a great sort of establishing the story for the episode because you cut to commercial and you think, fuck, I'm going to have to come back and find out what's going to happen now. Oh, I thought yeah. it was really well done. <laughs> I just thought this as an overall episode... We didn't get the usual bullshit wasting time for five minutes in the first act that doesn't set up anything really. No. It was just story. Like, I mean, we get the Homer snoring, but the Homer snoring plays a key role in this in the story. That's the that's the inciting incident. That's the uh, that's the turn. Yeah, it comes and it comes full circle at the end with him getting the snoring device. So I thought, as a whole, this was a really really well written episode. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was one of the better ones so far this season. It cut to the chase. So Marge has now had a good night's sleep. Um, she's refreshed, she's given them all the proper breakfast this time, and then a helicopter arrives, so they all approach with caution. I enjoyed Homer here, unguarded breakfast, the <laughs> sweetest <laughs> taboo. <laughs> uh, so uh, meanwhile, the family go out to see Artie, who has arrived. 
Nice little touch here. Mm. He calls her Marge Bouvier because he doesn't know that she's married yet. That's right. My question is, though, how, does she, how, how did he know where she lived without knowing her last name? Oh, nothing gets by you, does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Marge Bouvier. Arnie Ziff? Mm, that email. Look, I got a little drunk and we... I'm not surprised you want me back in your life. You can't spell party without Artie. If you misspell party or Artie, how you doing? Look, it's great to see you, but you should know I'm happily married. Married? Was it consummated? Pretty much, yeah. What's going on? Homer, don't talk with your mouth full. I've told you before, it's rude. Oh, ho, trouble in paradise. You can just tell John Lovitz has so much fun playing this character. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, look, I won't say that John Lovitz is the best actor on the planet, but... In his groove, what he does, oh, so there, there, there are a few people better. And it's a very sort of exaggerated and heightened way of doing things. But that kind of thing is just, <laughs> <laughs> to quote the James Bond theme song, nobody does it better. <laughs> He's got one of the most memorable moments in The Wedding Singer, though. He's losing his mind, <laughs> and I'm ripping the benefits. <laughs> oh, John Lovitz is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, so Homer walks in, um, Trouble in Paradise. And then we get Homer saying, this is the guy that couldn't get any off you. That's the only part about this I thought, eh, I could probably, could, probably could have done without that. Because Homer should not like Artie because he was a dog to Marge. It's not that he couldn't get any off you. It was like, no, he tried to force himself on your now wife. You know, he's an asshole. Well, I'm guessing that Marge probably soft-pedaled the story. Marge being Marge, I can buy that. Yes. Yes. Artie then offers a ride. They all go. They're on the boat. And Artie says he's always wondered what life would be like if he had have stayed with Marge. Or he had have been able to uh, marry Marge. Homer says it's like marrying your best friend who lets you feel their boobs. <laughs> I got the feeling you. I, I, thought, I thought you might. Yeah, I thought you might dig that line. <laughs> when, when you're married to the right person, I uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So then he proposes the the million dollar uh, weekend with Marge, and we get your favorite moment. Homer, I will give you one million dollars to let me spend a weekend alone with your wife. <gasps> mm, a million dollars. Wait a minute. How much sex would be involved? As if it's some. Whenever I see the fish shake, I just think, <laughs> oh, guy. <laughs> we have a winner for, you know, <laughs> favourite moment of the episode. Homer and Marge then leave. Mar- well, Marge sort of forces Homer to leave out of protest. She's simply a sick idea. The sea captain here, a bit of arty, mm-hmm. and the kids wonder where their parents have gone. I swear they've used that joke before. Where have their parents gone? Probably have, yeah. But um, Yeah, yeah. Eh, not unfunny. No, no, it's funny. <laughs> Homer is then snoring again, <laughs> wakes up with the idea to take Artie up on the offer so that he can get multiple surgeries. Marge says, don't worry, I'll just get used to it like I did saying Courtney Cox Arquette, which isn't her name anymore, but I remember that being a thing. Courtney Cox Arquette. Yeah, well, when, when, when she married David Arquette and she actually, you know, mm. they had to change the opening credits of Friends. They did too, you're it right. Was re- yeah. It was really disruptive. It ruined the show for me. <laughs> it didn't really. <laughs> they actually seemed like a nice couple. He seems like a nice guy. He he's having he's having a really sort of interesting second act or third act because he's sort of shift. He's I won't say he's a pro wrestler, but he's into wrestling a lot now. And there's a whole documentary about him nearly dying, nearly dying at wrestling called yeah. called You Can't Kill David Arquette. I haven't seen it yet. Do you know he was in a, in WCW World Championship Wrestling? He was their world champion in I think 2000. I did not know that. I mean, I I know that he's been a fan. For a very long yeah. time. I mean, he was in the, that movie Ready to Rumble. 
So Ready to Rumble was funded by WCW. So okay. all the wrestlers in that movie, except for obviously Oliver, what's his name? Platt. Oliver Platt. Yeah, that yeah. was meant to be played by somebody else, one of the a, a, a actual wrestler, which didn't happen. And the, the the manager in that movie, like the the owner of the business, was supposed to be played by the actual owner of WCW, Eric Bischoff, but it didn't eventuate. I think he got fired from the company a little bit earlier or something like that. But all the wrestlers are actual WCW wrestlers, and they're fighting on WCW Nitro. Ah. So like to co promote that, David Arquette came onto WCW Nitro or a pay per view or whatever, and won their world title. Holy in, moly! Like, like actually <laughs> happened. I think he lost like the following week, and everyone always said that that was like the turning point for the downfall for that company. They're like, fuck, like, it's just like killed all credibility for that championship that his fucking actors <laughs> come in and won the title. But he always said that he didn't, he didn't want to do it. He was like, this is a terrible idea because he was a wrestling fan. And as a wrestling fan, he was like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is probably going to fuck a company up, but I'll do whatever you tell me. Um, but yeah, he's always been a, a big fan. He's trying to give back to the business now. And he did that match, like you said, and, Cut his neck open on that on the I think it was the was it the light the light tubes or something that he cut his neck open something like that yeah yeah but he I legitimately mean, died at the wrestling ring it was crazy yeah but I mean I was I I kind of dug into that I really liked what he did in the Scream movies I thought I thought the character of Dewey was actually really kind of interesting and I thought he did some great work with it and I loved his chemistry with Courtney Cox so uh, I wasn't surprised that they hooked up um, off screen and got married and all that kind of business I mean shame it didn't last but you know what are you gonna do. <laughs> it always felt it always felt kind of like a teacher dating her student though to me. I'm just I looked at him I'm like he seems a little immature to be dating Courtney Cox. <laughs> I don't know. But he seemed happy at the time. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. But yeah, David Arquette seems like a good dude. Hmm. But anyway, so Marge, yes, yeah, so she said she'd get used to it and then she quickly realizes that no, this isn't gonna happen. But before that, because she says she likes some of the sounds that Homer makes in bed and he unleashes a squeaking spring symphony. I didn't feel it was necessary. <laughs> it's like, then they have sex and then he falls asleep again. I was just kind of like, probably could have done without that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to seem prudish or anything like that. We already know that these two are into one another. I mean, you don't need to sort of reinforce it with a wholly gratuitous and unnecessary sex scene. Monocle falls out. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he could have just fallen straight back to sleep again after she says, I'll get used to it. And it would have worked just as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay. And yeah. That's by the way. That's that you've you've just got to preview what the lovely Louise has to put up with on a regular basis. <laughs> Marge is uh, still awake in the morning. Um, Homer Homer starts snoring whilst awake, <laughs> and they say they'll call Artie to get this sorted. Homer then tells Ziff, "I thought you would not like this line. No funny stuff, which means hand holding, googly eyes, or misdirected woo." Yeah, any which means any movie directed by John Woo. Calling bullshit on that, even though by this stage, John Woo was kind of in a... Yeah, we're a few few years past the high peak of his American career, face-off, that is, 1997, and he's done Mission Impossible 2, which kind of sucked a bit. I don't that know wasn't very did, good. <laughs> it wasn't very good. Um, I don't know if he'd done Wind Talkers at that stage, which wasn't very good either. So, yeah, I guess you can probably take a jab at John Woo at that stage, but the, the other thing is, you never take a jab at, at John Woo because he's just one of the best. When I, when I heard that line, I went, oh, well, another, uh, Simpsons, <laughs> another Simpsons Safari guy this week, then. <laughs> uh, Simpsons! But, anyway, but yes. You better says, not be insulting John Woo, because if you were... <laughs> Artie says that she'll be as untouched as Bill Gates' weight room, 
pretty basic game, but still works. And Marge leaves, <laughs> and we get the hilarious match finale. Keep your clothes on. I <laughs> mean, um, there's something. Do you have a bit of music, whether it be a song, a TV show, anything that just sets you at ease? For me, it's the MASH theme. Not the Suicide is Painless song, just the MASH theme. Whenever I hear it, I go, I'm in my happy place now. That's a really good point. Um, I always smile whenever I hear that music, always. Probably, um, (laughs) this is going to make me sound a bit pretentious and all that kind of stuff. Probably So What or Freddie Freeloader by Miles Davis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, just uh, I think they're the opening tracks on the A side and B side of that uh, of the kind of blue album. Um, they're just yeah, they just chill me right out. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think everyone has that one little tune that just makes you go, okay, mm-hmm. I'm just everything's right with the world for just this little bit of time. Yeah, indeed. All right, um, and it's once again time for guy put stuff online. I will put one of those songs online for the uh, for the uh, patrons on the Facebook do it. page. Do it, for sure. <laughs> We're now at Moe's and Homer is telling them all that he's got a big payday coming because he's sold Marge and everyone makes him think that Marge is going to leave him. I mean, she never will. The Marge character was never going to leave Homer, but they've no. th- them being the douches that they are, they plant the seed in his head, so he starts panicking. Uh, the, the line here, he's a spy in the house of Moe, is apparently a take on something else. Do you know um, I thought it was um, a, a riff on the Doors song, Spy in the House of Love. That would probably but, be it, yeah. Yeah, although it might be something else as well. But I did like that line. I, 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 I liked Mo in this part. Yeah. In fact, I, I like the whole gang. I mean, we were without Barney, who's clearly, you know, trying to keep it together and be sober. You're, but you're um, right. I, haven't actually, I haven't actually picked up on that, that we haven't had Barney for a while. Yeah. I think he was in the last episode, or maybe the one before that. I mean, but not... Um, not to the point where he was actually sort of delivering that many lines or anything. But mm. uh, no, he was certainly absent from the bar this time around. I think mainly because they wanted to, well, you've got to have Mo there. He runs the joint. But I really think this was a very sort of uh, Carl and Lenny heavy episode. And that's something I want to talk about a little bit later on because, um, I don't know, I really, I really enjoyed this glimpse into the, um, the relationship between Carl and Lenny. Well, it's something they haven't really explored to this extent so far. Um, but they, they re- in later episodes, they, the Lenny and Carl dynamic really starts to get sort of, they delve into it a bit more, the relationship there. That's good because um, it's something I did want to talk to you about because, I mean, you're clearly a bit more sort of Simpsons literate than I yeah. am. But, I mean, I'd, I'd love it if there was an episode that really just was a side story for those there, two guys. There is, and I haven't seen it yet. Oh. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting into that one or just checking it out yeah, in the near cool. future. Also, another thing that gets mentioned uh, in this uh, particular sequence uh they mentioned sprawl space in the bed and oh sprawl space is great do you know i haven't I laid it. in a i haven't laid in a bed in almost six months excuse me because i'm on the so i'm on the couch with the monitor like with Elliot's monitor because if he wakes okay. up at two or three and the monitor goes off we don't want that monitor to wake up holly so i'm in the land room on the couch with mm. the monitor and nicholas in the bedroom with holly so i have literally have not laid down on my bed for six months Sad, sad situation. You better not be bragging about sprawl space, because if you are... <laughs> <laughs> oh, think, about, think about starting a website called Sprawl Space as opposed to Squarespace. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would move our website. I'd migrate it over for that one. Sprawl Space, it's good. <laughs> Homer races off in a paddock. We then get Artie walking up to pick up Marge. As I said earlier, he 
you know, sort of go, hey, at his own statue, which I thought was <laughs> cool. Just a little, a little glimpse into the, the life of Arnie. He's just all about himself. And he reveals to Marge that they're taking a trip through time, not to the past, or not to the future, to the past, to the 70s. Oh. And it is their senior prom because he's paid everyone $1,000 to relive the, the 70s. At their well, prom. except Disco Stew, who's doing it pro bono. Yes. The only thing is, and this is a slight nitpick, and it doesn't matter, but they've just drawn in all these characters who weren't originally at the prom just because mm-hmm. they're characters on the show like Willie and Edna <laughs> and Skinner and stuff. Like Edna and Skinner weren't at the prom. Why are they at this one? But anyway. So then we gotta get, make up the numbers somehow. Yeah, that's exactly right. But Artie wants to give Marge the prom that she always deserved because he knows he was a douchebag at the first one. And we get Homer running in to, to try and save the day. <laughs> like he kicks the statue as he's running past. <laughs> would have been funnier. He should have kicked the statue and hurt his foot, but he didn't. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> then Dondalinger interrupts him, which I thought was a very cool little uh, throwback. I know, you, do you remember the episode The Way We Was? Only vaguely. I mean, okay, I remember so, Busy Hands. That's the one thing so, I really remember from it. So Dondalinger was to Homer what Skinner was to Bart. Right. You know what I mean? So always, like his arch nemesis at high school. He's a bit like the um, he's a bit like the principal in um, Back to the Future. It, it, that's, that's how he, exactly that's how he right. seems to me, at least. Yes, and we also, we get a couple of Back to the Future references here. You know, like oh, the right, future, yeah. and also if if Marge marries Artie, I'll never be born. <laughs> 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 oh man! Also, so, so also a, a fun reference and a very throwaway reference for you know older farts like myself. Um, mm. I think they mentioned they mentioned the TV show called James at Sixteen. I was going to ask um, you about that. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. Now, that was a show in the 1970s, which um, I sort of remember watching as a very little kid, and I shouldn't have, because it was sort of like, this is what it's really like to be a teenager in 1975, or something along those lines. And but it would, Of course, you know, being network TV, it wasn't necessarily that explicit, but it was one of, like, one of the first shows to sort of hint that, you know, that teenagers like having sex with each other? <laughs> What? Monocle falls out again. Yeah, so it was a bit of a um, bit of a groundbreaking show, but you know, one that never is again a bit like Indecent Proposal hasn't much left much of a um, a footprint in the cultural consciousness as of late. So, but I was I was pleased to hear it get a get a shout out. But the the band are cursed because they played at the rap party. That's right. You're very sweet, but no fake prom can make me forget my husband. I'm sorry. Very well, Marge. I see you'll never feel about moi the way I feel about toi. But before the evening ends, may I request an innocent peck on the cheek? Okay. Oh no, if Marge marries Artie, I'll never be born. <laughs> Then we get the great moment that I really enjoyed, the moment that this episode needed, um, calling him a little nerd and giving him a good old slap and leaving and embarrassing him. How hilarious was it? And slash awkward, the dancing. Stop looking at me! <laughs> Keep dancing! <laughs> you did have some sweet dance moves, I've got to say. <laughs> I, I love that the band playing in the background as it's like thrusting. <laughs> oh, I thought it was really funny. Homer is now sad at Moe's. He thinks that Marge has fallen for, for Artie because he saw them kissing. Invites mm. Lenny to leave town forever. They go. Mm. Carl sounds enters. Like a, sounds like a plan. <laughs> what did I miss? Anything good? <laughs> <laughs> Marge then gets home and uh, we get the Baron Von Kiss a lot. I'm going to play that because I enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. 
That's $912. Send the bill to Baron Von Kisselant. No problemo. This just arrived, Herr Baron. Okay, who's the wise guy? And this is where she finds the tape on the bed. And there's a line here which I thought was fucking hilarious. Homer says, next time you see me, I'll be in the hobo obituary. <laughs> I did write that one down as well. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> he's already concerned he's going to become a hobo. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but he gets angry at Bart because he says he won't go to Patty and Summers, starts choking him. And that's the end of that tape. But I thought it was really funny. Marge is sad. It's a really good transition here to seeing her sad, imagining what's, what's happening, what's going to happen. Mm. And Homer's now on the bus. Um, on his way to West Springfield with Lenny. Um, everything reminds Homer of uh, of Marge. And then we get Lenny with Mount Carmel. Uh, is it Carmel? Yeah, Mount Carmel. Is that right? Carmel. Yes. Yeah. Carmel just seems like a word. I've, I've written it here. Carmel. It's a weird word to pronounce. But you want to discuss yeah. the, the dynamic there. So did you want to discuss it now or a little bit later? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think it's... um, Doing a little reading about, uh, about this episode, it uh, seemed that uh, some viewers were like, oh... Are you hinting at a bit more sort of a, an intimate relationship between Lenny and Carl, a bit of a Brokeback Mountain kind of deal? It's like, I don't necessarily think that has to be the case. I mean, I think I've, you know, I've got male friends that I feel very, very sort of um, close to and feel like I have a, a sort of a great bond with. You know, I mean, I, I grew up with four sisters, no brothers or anything like that. And I think I don't want to get too, too psychologically deep and probably inaccurate, but, you know. I think maybe I was sort of searching for a brother or a brother figure in a lot of ways. And, you know, I found that with with friends over the years. Um, and I, I don't know, that's the way I sort of view Lenny and Carl as well. I think they're sort of, I won't say two sides of the same coin, but uh, I just think they've found their soulmate in one another. And that just doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic or sexual attachment. I think it can just be a good brotherly bond or brotherish bond. Two guys can love each other and just be friends. That's fine. Absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's. I, I don't mean this to sound sort of um, homophobic or no, that's not what it is at all. I don't mean it to sound that way. I think um, you know there can be platonic bonds that are just as strong as any romantic or sexual bond, it's like the guy in Dando bond, like the guy in Dando bond. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we get Mark Carmel, which he um he did one summer. Yeah, well, we never discussed it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Having said that, I do feel like the relationship is sort of a bit more one-sided. It is very one-sided. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's like a Mr. Burns Smithers relationship. <laughs> it is a bit. I don't doubt that Carl has great, great affection for Lenny, but I think Lenny kind of worships the ground that Carl works walks on. And and honestly, why wouldn't you? You have any jobs for a man who wants to die? Something indoorsy. Coastal bathroom. I'll put you on rig 13 as soon as they burn off the corpses. This job will be perfect. I'm going to leave this world the way I entered it. Dirty, screaming, and torn away from the woman I love. Oh, quick and pointless. That's the death for me. Read on the wiki page that they originally pitched for the, the boss who had one arm to drop his cigarette into like oil or whatever and to explode his other arm off. And they went, <laughs> and, and Al Jean just wrote back like, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so then the family have somehow figured out. They don't explain who Bart's talking to on the phone. He's just like, thank you. You've been very helpful. It's kind of <laughs> like they're like, how can the family find him? I don't know. Bart can just be on the phone to somebody who helped them. <laughs> yeah. Have you watched Godzilla versus Kong yet? No, but I want to go see it this week. 
Okay, this isn't a spoiler because I know you've been sort of out and about. Don't spoil Godzilla vs. Kong for me. But I will say this, and this isn't a spoiler, I don't think. But there's, you've seen all the trailers. Because if you do. Because if you. You'll have seen on the trailer there's a scene where, you know, Godzilla's on a boat. I mean, sorry, Kong's on the boat. He's clearly, he's tied down, chained down to a boat, right? They never explain how they got him on the boat. And, you know, there are some people uh, on the internet who are like, you know, they never explain how they got Kong on the boat. And, you know, there are other people saying, I'm glad they didn't show us how Kong got on the boat. I mean, the director, I, I, I think, said in an interview, was like, we've got to get Kong on the boat. Let's just put him there. You know, we, we, we want to keep the story moving along. It's going to sort of take up too much time to, um, you know, say, okay, we've got to tranquilize him and then we've got to lift him and then we've got to find a boat that'll hold him. No, let He's there. He's there. He's on the boat. We did it. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> we did it. <laughs> but yeah. isn't, every, isn't every King Kong movie like that? I remember watching the Peter Jackson one going, how the fuck did they transport this thing to New York? I think it actually may be a bit of a Kong tradition <laughs> that, you know, yeah. you, you've reached a stage where you've actually been able to, to subdue Kong. I mean, they did it in the 33 original. They did it in the Peter Jackson one. I'm pretty sure they did it in the other one with Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange. Um, and then it's like... We did it. We beat Kong. Cut to Kong's on his way to New York. You know, we got him on the boat. Don't don't ask how. <laughs> <laughs> but it's right. As I've, I've got my notes here, they don't explain this here. But it doesn't matter. I don't care. <laughs> like, like, it's just it's just a little waste of time. We just let's just get on with the story. I don't think True. we needed the whole grandpa walking in saying, "What happened?" Homer bowled a three hundred game. I'm like, what? Yeah, there were one or two gags in this, or one or two little bits and pieces, like. Really necessary? The, the sex bit, the grandpa bit. It wasn't annoying. It was just like, oh, that just sort of killed the yeah. flow of the, of the scene. Didn't really need it. Surplus. It didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of flab. Marge thinks uh, to, you know, to ask Artie for help um, with, with, by using his, uh, his helicopter. Then we get that the friends with privileges, which I'm going to play because I think Marge's response is fantastic. <laughs> I really appreciate you helping me find Homer. Think nothing of it, Marge. I hope we can always be friends. Of course. With privileges? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that work on anyone? No. But when it does, hello! The whole sticking his tongue out. <laughs> it's just... The way they animate it is just so good. And his busy hands is so, so good. <laughs> but the thing is about Artie is, he is so full of himself. And it's like, deep down, he kind of knows he shouldn't be. Yeah. But he still believes he deserves to be this arrogant. He's like he—he <laughs> he believes he's the sexiest man alive. <laughs> and no matter how many times he gets shut down, that doesn't matter because one day, yeah. one time, it will work <laughs> in his mind. <laughs> but uh, Homer and Carl—not Homer, Carl, Homer and Lenny—accidentally start a fire with the goggles and burning the ants. I've read that Matt Groening didn't want the ants to have voices, but they went with it anyway. I believe Dan yeah, Castellanada voiced the mm-hmm. ants. Oh wow. Um, yeah, and then Homer's, oh no, this is how faceless Joe lost his legs. <laughs> <laughs> and the helicopter arrives to save the day, but Homer will not get on. Listen to me, Homer, you've won. You own Marge's heart, and that's something I could never buy. Woohoo! There's nothing on that helicopter for me. Don't be so sure. <gasps> Carl Carlson? So they get home. And uh, Homer still wants the million dollars. And Marge says, we can't take his money. I'm like, why? Of course he takes some money. 
It's there to take, take it. But Homer, Homer's response here, I can't take his money. I can't print my own money. I have to work for money. <laughs> I've just got here, I have not agreed with Homer anymore than in this moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to work for money. Artie then leaves. Did you notice the little bit where he couldn't even quite get into the helicopter? He has to get helped up. Oh. Little, touches, little touches like that, really perfect for the Artie character. And as he yells out, I am Artie Ziff, as he leaves. So nothing's changed. And his latest invention has saved the day, the snore converter. And we end with... He's a loser, Marge. Dump him. I traveled the world in the seven seas. I am watching you through a camera. Which, to me, just, just stood the test of time. It has just stuck with me. And I don't think I'm the only one. Because I remember in the Patreon group, several people said, I am watching you through a camera. <laughs> it's just so good. I like the idea of that ending. I like that sort of, I mean, as noxious as and toxic as Artie can be, um, I kind of like that he's a never-say-die kind of guy. Of course, we're all for enthusiastic consent and all that kind of stuff. But I like the fact that he's kind of like, I'm, I'm still in the game, Marge. I'm still going to make you mine. And, you know, <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like the way that he goes about it with the sort of subliminal messaging and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and putting that's it- very uneasy if, though. Yeah, it is very. But that, that, they it. planted the seeds for that earlier in the episode, though, with him doing the new lyrics for the converter earlier on for the modem. That is correct. But all in all, I, like I said, I think this is my, so far my favorite episode of season thirteen. There was nothing in the episode to me that felt like filler. It's a couple of ja- a couple mm-hmm. of quick gags that sort of felt like, oh, was it really necessary? But no sort of two to three minute pieces that sort of took the that killed the vibe of the episode or felt unnecessary and were just there for pointless reasons like we've had in several weeks recently yeah but i just think yeah the artist if character is so so funny john lovitz always does a great job and they really it was a really good sequel to the way we was i was surprised how good it actually was it's a really funny episode i really enjoyed it I think using the indecent proposal sort of template um, to bring back Artie's if was a, was a yeah a bit of a uh, bit of a masterstroke. It makes and sense. It's perfect. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, yeah. So uh, no, I was I was quite pleased with this episode. I mean, uh, look, maybe it's the fact that we're recording this episode in the evening as opposed to the afternoon, and I've had my afternoon nap, and I'm feeling a little more generous as per, as per Dando's. Sort <laughs> <of>, um, <laughs> Dando recently said like. We can't record in the afternoon anymore. Guys too irritable. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is the night time. It is clearly the right time because, um, yeah, Half Decent Proposal is uh, not half bad, according to me. What did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? That you can't use the word sex on the internet. Yeah, apparently so. That was true. In, that was true in two thousand and two. It's especially true twenty two years later. I mean, sorry, <laughs> 20, 20, 19 years later. <laughs> uh, I learned that uh, the fact that I stole Artie's pickup lines with women in my earlier teenage years uh, it really explains my lack of success. Because uh, <laughs> the fact that I went to Nickel and I went, <laughs> so thankfully it, at one time it did work. From this day forward, your names will be. New names for the episode, Mr. Davis. What do you got for me? New names. Okay. Well, we've got a few honourable mentions this time around because uh, our uh, our delightful listeners are just rich in imagination and wit. For instance, Philip Hawkins gave us Pimp My Bride. Not bad. I thought that was quite good. Uh, Nora Coker uh, ripped off. <laughs> I was about to say ripped off. Riffed on uh, the lovely Netflix documentary, My, My Octopus Teacher, with... Marge's octopus lecher. 
Pretty good. Brandy points for, for her too because she knows how much she loved that documentary. She does indeed. Thank mm. you, Nora, for bringing that one up. Neil Parks gave us You Snooze, You Lose. Uh, Ooh, yeah, what else? Very good. Andrew Pellicatti, What Becomes of the Broken Artied? Ooh, not bad at all. But I think with the title of this, because you want the reveal of it being, I mean, obviously on reruns, you know, it's Artie, but for the first time, if you don't want people to know that Artie Ziff's going to be in the episode, you can't really put his name in the title. But that's just oh. me being nitpicky. <laughs> okay, well, we're about to break that one because uh, <laughs> at least at least one of these uh, point winners mentions the word Artie in the title. But, oh, I should, uh, I should say the current leaderboard, sorry. It's current leaderboard. Hang on. Hang go on, right hang ahead. On. Go to it, go to it. Let's find it first. Let's find it. Where is it? My bad, my bad, my bad. That's there we go. Right. New name leaderboard currently stands at this. Uh, in third position, Mark Boston Burgess on six. We have a three-way tie on second position on seven points with Phil Hawkins, Josh Hedge, and Stephen Roberts, and Garode Harrahill on top of the leaderboard with nine points. Take it away, oh. Mr. Davis. All right. One point goes to Jackson Stefanovsky. I hope I pronounced that uh, correctly, Jackson. If I have not, I don't know, change your surname. <laughs> Give me something I can work my math around. No, no I'm just kidding. Jackson, um, one point to you, my good man, for indocent proposal. Mm-hmm. Very good. That's Jackson's first appearance on the leaderboard, so he's now in the wildcard draw for the end of the season. Good on you, Jackson. Two points to Josh Hedge, uh, who mentioned uh, Artie Ziff in the title, Obuvier, where Artie thou? Oh, very good. Well done. Okay, I think we'll let that one slide for that case. But uh, three points go to Giroid. Oh, How the hell? Giroid. I keep mispronouncing his name. I'm sorry. Giroid. Yes, Giroid, yes. Not not, <laughs> not Giroid. Giroid's a bit of fun. Giroid. <laughs> sounds like a Giroid. good supervillain. Giroid. It yeah, it sounds like someone who, you know, a character you'd find in the, uh, in the Snyder Cut. Um, yes. Giroid, Harrahill, gave us... Old Flames and Oil Flames brings the two halves of the episode together quite nicely, I think. So, mm. uh, again, top work from Garoad. Yes. So, now we have a two-way tie for third position. Stephen Roberts and Phil Hawkins, both on seven. Josh Hedge outright second on nine points. And atop the leaderboard by three points clear now is Garoad Harahill. Oh, top of the hill. All it takes is a couple of good names, guys. You can catch up to him, though. Still got Mark Boston Burgess on six and Nora Cocker on five, I believe. So you can still catch up that leaderboard, but Grode is currently winning on 12. But for now, let's get into some mailbag. JaVale! JaVale is here! Ooh! Alrighty, is the mailbag now for Half Decent Proposal. We're going to kick things off with our dear friend DL Gorman. And they ask us, what would it take for you to accept Artie's proposal? Hmm. Well, Dando, what do you think about this? Well, I know in no world would Nicola ever accept this. So so nothing I say is ever going to make this happen. But <laughs> the question is, though, it shouldn't be for me to accept it because it's Nicola. Like, let's just say Nicola's all for it, though. Okay, mm. we're going in the world where Nicola's agreed she wants to do it. But I suppose if Nicola wants to do it, I'm not the one who say that she can't. Yeah. I know, it's just it's one of those things where it's like, who am I to say she can and can't do anything? I don't own her. True. It's a weird one. yeah. But look, I know that I could not hand the lovely Louise over to anyone. You know, even if we no. even if we needed a million bucks or whatever, I mean, I would probably throw any dignity I had to the wind, and I would, you know, beg the arties if in this situation for the money. I would, or I would do anything else to get it. I completely agree. Having said that, you know, if it was me that they sort of ten million dollars, <laughs> no, no, if they, you know, said 
they went to the lovely Louise and said, I want Guy for the weekend. I'd say, oh, no, you got a spare hundred bucks, I'll take it. Let's <laughs> let's let's go. But you, you, think, you think lovely Louise would let you go with a, with another lady? Oh, I'm assuming it's Artie Ziff. All righty. Well, next question comes from, let's have a look, Jared Hornby. And Jared says, do we have any memories from our school proms or formals? We never had a school prom, I don't think. We had, we called it something else and they were always really lame. But I have some (laughs) good stories from my graduation. I remember from my graduation... I, I was like big on this band called The Hives at the time oh. and th- th- their album called Tyrannosaurus Hives and they always wore these white suits that looked mm. absolutely killer. So, I, everyone was getting normal black suits for the for graduation and whatnot for the graduation party. I insisted on being white and it fucking worked. I stood out like anything and everyone <laughs> loved my suit. I felt, I felt like a rock star that night. So, the white suit, all my graduation photos, I'm wearing that white suit. It's awesome. That's my memory <laughs> of my graduation. There was something that happened after my graduation. Which I won't get into, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's for the uh, hundred dollar you know tier patrons. I think you get the un, you get Dando after dark. Um, but it's funny you mentioned the white suit. Uh, look, I'm probably going to be outing myself as you know snooty boy here, but I mean I I was a private school boy and we had this thing. We didn't have a, like a year twelve formal or prom, but we what we did have was called the the BRD the boat race dance because our school took part in the um the head of the river rowing. That um, sounds so fucking preppy. The boat race dance. <laughs> it was. It was. It was super preppy. Um, but it was a great night. We'd actually the school that I went to actually won the head of the river that year. Uh, I remember. Mm. I remember turning to my friend Timos and saying, "We're going to get so fucking drunk tonight." <laughs> Yeah, and we did. Um, uh, for some reason, it, it was the you know the highlight of the school year, very much like you know, like prom in a John Hughes movie. And for some reason, um, I had mustered up the confidence to um, ask this young lady named Joe Blackett to go with me. Joe was a Joe was incredibly cute. I don't know what I was thinking, punching above my weight like that. Took her along. I think we both quickly realised that there wasn't really much chemistry there, so we both just got drunk. Um, I ended up patching Justine McLaren instead. Uh, <laughs> but it was a formal occasion, and I didn't wear a white suit a la Dando, but I thought, eh, i got to stand out some way. So um, I had a white bow tie instead of a, instead of a black one. And uh, second, part two of Guy Put Stuff Online, I think I've got a photo of it somewhere, and I might put it online. Ooh, you have to do it because you mentioned earlier that you're acting yourself as a little snooty person. You did that the second you put out that little photo of young guy and you look like the snootiest little child I've ever seen in my life. Which which one was this? <laughs> you, uh, you, went, you posted the Patreon group, you looked at the photo, you're just like, that's right, ladies. <laughs> it- I reckon you're about 12 in the photo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember which one that one was. Cause, um- uh, you, got a good, you got a decent head of hair on you as well. Well... Oh, I don't think I was 12 in that one. I think that was, I mean, I was a bit of a late bloomer. I was probably closer to 17 in that one. If you're talking about the the mullet. No, no, no. You, you, you're younger. You're much younger. Okay, then. Well, you are much, much, you're, 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 you're quite, I think you said you found that photo at your mum's place, maybe. I wonder if it was the same photo, but I'll see if I can, I'll see if I can still yes. find this um, one yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Um, of me in my formal wear. <laughs> looking, l- looking basically like the Shermanator. <laughs> 
<laughs> what about Shipbrick, whatever his name is? Oh, no, 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 no. More Sherman than Shipbrick. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, had anyway, a, yeah, I had a but, gold tie with my with my white suit. Oh, man. Oh, forget it. You shown me right the hell up. It looked pretty legit. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty happy with myself. <laughs> but anyway, so... Um, and my English teacher did too. My formal memories, apologies to both Joe Blackett for not kissing her and to Justin McLaren for kissing her. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, we'll do a couple more questions. Andrew Palikati says, "What's your favourite John Lovitz moment, either on The Simpsons, The Critic, SNL, or in movies?" I'll let you take um, it away. You're, you're the you're the movie guy. Oh, <laughs> thanks, man. Um, I'm I'm uh, reminded of it was I think it was the the Saturday Night Live 25th anniversary special mm-hmm. that they had, and it was one of those really all star occasions. They brought back pretty much everyone. Is I think Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy yeah. was about the only guy who didn't show up. Oh, didn't um, show up, okay. Yeah, yeah, but um, everyone else is there and, um, you know, Lorne Michaels, who's the sort of the head of SNL, has made a lot of famous friends over the years, so they were all there in the audience. Mm. Um, and they had various people sort of introducing segments and Tom Hanks did one of them. And he was like, um, you know, it's not, not something we normally do at SNL, but, uh, you know, I'll take, I'll take some uh, questions from the audience. And, you know, various people got up like, I think this was like in the early 2000s. So, like, Garth Brooks stood up and, you know, Sharon Michelle, Michelle Geller and James Vanderbeek from... And, and then, but John Lovett sort of got up in the audience and said, Tom, Tom, <laughs> who do you think was the best cast member of Saturday Night Live? And, you know, <laughs> Tom Hanks is sort of like being very... Well, you know, that's a, that's a tough question. A lot of really great, talented people have come through this. I'd probably have to say Will Ferrell. Um, that guy's really good, and you know, Lovett just and sits down. And then some more questions around. Lovett stands up. Tom, Tom, <laughs> of all the people in my year of SNL, who do you think was the best? <laughs> and I oh, don't know. He says something like Mike Myers. <laughs> Finally, he does it one one more time. Tom, Tom, <laughs> uh, you know, asking like a. Really, Ask the question in such a way that he has to answer it like John Lovitz. And Hanks gets finally gets frustrated and says, what do you want me to say, John? That what, that John Lovitz is the best cast member I've ever worked with? He said it! He said it! <laughs> <laughs> but, but That's right. Tom Hanks said John Lovitz is the best cast member he ever worked with. And we're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was just funny. It was like really classic Lovitz. So, yeah, very, very funny stuff. But... <laughs> <laughs> and th- and th- this sort of indicates how good he is, or how sort of I don't know. It was, but it's a real sort of gear shift because later on in the um, in the episode, they had a tribute to Phil Hartman, um, oh, who, wow, who, okay. who who had, of course uh, had had died by that by that time was murdered. Yeah, he was mur- was killed by his uh, by his ex wife or his wife or his estranged wife or something along those lines. Uh, but yeah, you know, a terrible, terribly yeah, I'm not too sure. A terribly anyway, sad yeah. situation, and. Um, Lovitz and Hartman were clearly very, very close. And Lovitz and the rest of the cast members who sort of worked with Phil the most or were started at the same time as him um, are all on stage. And Lovitz is basically doing the introduction and saying what this is about. And it's taking everything he's got, not to just break down in tears. I mean, you can hear his voice breaking all this and refers to um, uh, Hartman as, uh, I think he calls him my friend and my older brother. And it's just it's a it's an incredibly sweet and quite heartbreaking moment, and you really really feel for Lovitz at that at that point. So um, I don't know. I, I think out of the, uh, that whole 
that whole uh, special is, re- is really fun. I really enjoy watching it. I've got it on disc here somewhere and, and, and uh, revisit it occasionally. But those two bits with Lovitz uh, are, are just marvellous and among the highlights of it. Oh, and by the way, um, yeah, I, I actually did find um, that introduction bit online, so I'll put that up online as well. Oh, yes, um, post that in the group. I was actually, as you say, I'm thinking in my head, I am going to immediately go check this out. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I could find the um, the bit with Tom Hanks, but there is certainly the bit with um, where he's introducing Hartman. But Lovitz and Hanks did a few sketches together when Hanks was hosting. And there was one mm. in particular that's very Artie Ziff related. I don't know if they oh, call wow, it the really? good. I don't know if they call it the girl watches or something, but it's basically these two guys who are complete losers who just sort of stand on the corner and try to sort of not chat up women as they go by, but just try try to make conversation with any pretty woman who walks past. And they, of course, they all snub them. (laughs) But they're all doing it in that kind of voice. Yeah. That girl's really hot and she won't have anything to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like the Artie Ziff character was just written for John Lovitz, isn't it? I reckon so, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so good. John Lovitz has played some great characters over the years, but Artie Ziff, I mean, on The Simpsons, but Artie Ziff is just one of the best. But yeah, that's that story about the 25th anniversary. John Lovitz, both funny and tragic. Yeah, I can't wait mm. to go check it out. Sounds great. We'll end with one more question, shall we? And we'll wrap up this episode. Off Let's. Get. Fergus, Fergus Jeffs. They say, Fergus says, have either of you ever thought of a billion-dollar idea, an idea which you believe is successful, could potentially make you one of the richest people in Australia? Fergus, buddy, you're listening to it. What do you, what do you think you're doing, sir? <laughs> <laughs> now all we need is a billion dollars. A billion, a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> do you think if we drop the patron total to one dollar, we get a billion people? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a bold experiment. Um, it's a bold strategy. Let's see if it pays off for him. Let's, let's <laughs> bang on. Alrighty, guys, that's our review of Half Decent Proposal. Hope you enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Anything with John Lovitz is always a great time. Next week is the episode. I think the the Bart wants what he wants or something. Let's let's double check. Sorry, hang on. Simpsons yeah. season thirteen. It's the one with um where Rainy Bart starts dating Rennie Wolfcastle's daughter, I mm. believe. So it is called The Bart Wants What It Wants, as opposed yeah. to The Heart Wants What It Wants. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, I started watching it recently, a few weeks ago. I just sort of whacked on season 13, just went all the way through. And I remember Rainy Wolfcastle being pretty funny. It's got one of the, one of the most memorable Wolfcastle lines of, laughing time is over. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking forward to getting into that one. I haven't watched it in full in many, many years. But don't forget to uh, rate and review us in the iTunes store if you haven't done it yet. It's much appreciated. Five stars and leave a few kind words. Follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod, at Four Finger Discount on Instagram. And if you want to support the show and get a bunch of exclusive content in return, including our Four Finger Discount Revisited Classics episodes, where Guy and I go back to the golden era and each month we pick an episode out or the patrons decide for us which episode we're going to be reviewing from that time. Last month was Home of the Vigilante, and this month it is going to be Homer versus the 18th Amendment. We've also mm-hmm. reviewed I Love Lisa, Bart vs. Australia, and much, much more. And you can get access to that for as little as $1 per month at patreon.com slash discount. So make sure you do that. Also, don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash TV. We'd appreciate that as well if you want to watch the show. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for our incredible listeners? Incredible listeners with privileges. Shh.